middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Keeper of the Games podcast. We call ourselves the wildly underqualified, yet mildly entertaining podcast that's all about sports in Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. I'm Tommy Castor, and uh, you know we've got kind of a big episode today. It's our uh, it, it's our last episode before the Memorial Day holiday. We're taking a week off next week, but actually, this is my final show for a few weeks. Not for good, but just for mm-hmm. a few weeks. Uh, my wife is is having a baby here in a couple of weeks. And so I'll be taking some time off. Uh, Blake Cripps, you're going to be holding down the fort for me while I'm gone. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to do so. Uh, I hope that the only negative thing in my mind, the only bad thing that I won't be here for is that I won't be able to correct your terrible takes for the next month or so. (laughs) Um, What what terrible takes would you be referring to? All of them. I haven't heard every single one of them. I haven't heard a hot take horn in like a few months. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm batting a thousand. I'm excited for the chance to whip young Weston into shape over these over this next month. So I'm going to look to grind him into the dirt a little bit, kind of make him feel what podcasting, what broadcasting is about here for, for the next month. So Weston, if you're watching, expect some tough love coming up in July or June, whatever month it's going to be. I'm not taking it easy on you. Well, if you're watching this episode, you'll notice that it's just Blake and I, uh, for our audio listeners, Weston Mills, not on the program tonight because, you know, we were just talking about how my wife is is having a baby in a couple of weeks. Weston has an infant daughter at home uh, who apparently was not ready for bed. And so Blake <laughs> and I are going to be rolling forward on this episode. But uh, after the Memorial Day weekend next week, we will not have a show. After that, it'll be Blake and Weston for the month of June before I return uh, around the 4th of July, somewhere around there, kind of give or take. The weird thing about it, Blake, before we get into the program is that uh, this is season two, episode 20. It's our 68th overall episode of Keeper of the Games. I have missed one show since we began the podcast. Wow. Uh, like a year and a half ago, almost a year and a half ago, I missed one program. That was like last August. You and Weston yeah, yeah, covered I remember that program. That show. But ever since that time, I have been on every single episode of Keeper of the Games. Um, so I'm not sure what all of our our loyal listeners are going to do without me during that time. I, I think that they'll recover just fine. I have a feeling that they will enjoy the the fresh air, the fresh perspective that that I will bring <laughs> to to your normal uh, part of the show. And uh, okay. so we'll see how they go. I don't think I've missed a show since I started as a regular. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. Maybe. I don't think you have either. I mean, I think we. You get a little bit further on in the podcast. I think we can start calling you maybe the Cal Ripken of <laughs> Keeper of the maybe. Games. Uh, Maybe if we keep it on Mondays, I think there's a chance that I can keep that going for a while. There you go. Sounds good. Want to remind all of you to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a brand new episode of the podcast, you will be notified. You can find us on all major streaming platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, all the major ones. Everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find Keeper of the Games. Our website is cogsports.com. You can watch full episodes on the Keeper of the Games YouTube channel and by finding us on Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at cogsports.com. 
Pod. That's at KOG Pod. On today's program, Shocker Baseball earns the number three seed in the American Conference Tournament happening later this week. Uh, maybe all hope is not lost for the Kansas City Royals. We'll talk about that. The Wichita Thunder clinches a playoff berth. The Wichita Whip Around and a lot more here on Keeper of the Games. But we kick off the program here on this new episode of the Cog Pod talking about Wichita State Shocker Softball. Of course, we've been talking about this, sh- uh, this Shocker Softball squad for a long time here on Keeper of the Games. It's been a, a, a pretty special season for WSU Softball. The Norman Regional happened over the weekend where unfortunately the dream season came to an end for Wichita State. They finished the season with an overall record of 41-13-1. Of course, in the Norman Regional, they had to kick everything off with Texas A&M. We talked about that last week on the program. The Shockers beat the Aggies by a final score of 9-7. They moved on to face the number one seeded Oklahoma Sooners. And really, Blake, the, the Shockers gave the Sooners pretty much all they could handle in that opening game uh, when they the opening matchup between the two of them. But the Shockers did fall seven to five. They took on Texas A&M in the first elimination game later on that evening where they won nine to six be- before they got the Sooners again. Unfortunately, it was a barrage of runs for the number one team in America as the Sooners beat the Shockers by a final score of 24 to 7. We've got a lot to talk about uh, with this regional matchup that Wichita State had all the games over the course of the weekend. Blake, I know that you watched a lot of these games over the course of the weekend at the regionals, as did I. But the one thing I want to start on first off is kind of a a 30,000 foot view about this Shocker season, about the program as a whole. Just think about it this way. Now that the season is over all of the the great play all of the accolades with this team we talked about all the awards that they won uh, last week on the program but just names like Allison Barnard and Madison Perrigan uh, with with the bat you know even players like Riley Buck and Lauren Mills Neely Herring of course the great pitchers Bailey Lang Caitlin Bingham that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as the weapons that this shocker squad has how do you neatly and tightly wrap a bow around this Wichita State season. And you didn't even get to Kaylee Hecker, the defensive player of the yeah. year in the American, just True. how deep this Shocker team is. I hope that people will remember all of the greatness that this team displayed this year. I hope they don't remember 24-7, because I think that would be extremely unfair Now, we're going to get to what 24-7 means because I do think that there are some things to be discussed, some things that are going to need to happen for Wichita State to take that next step. But you look at what this team did this year, what they accomplished, and who they did it with is what I'm more excited about. Yes, Madison Peregrine, Riley Buck, Bailey Lang, Kaylee Hecker, and Bailey Nickerson are all going to be departing off of this team. But look at everything that the Shockers have coming back offensively. They've got Lauren Mills coming back. They've got Barnard coming back. They're going to return a majority of their offense. They're going to return return about over half of their pitching for next year. The pitching does need to improve, but there, there is so much potential for a long and sustained period of excellence. I would even, you know, maybe this is a little premature. I will grant you that. Maybe a chance for a long, sustained period of dominance, at least as American Athletic Conference softball is concerned. 
I'm not going to okay. go out there and, and say that soft, you know, Shocker is going to be hosting a regional every year, or they're going to be a perennial top 25 team. I think they have the potential to do that, though. And but but what I will say is, you look around the American Athletic Conference, and I I don't know exactly who Central Florida has back, who South Florida has back. The Florida schools would be the ones that I would be most concerned about. They're the ones that gave the Shockers the most challenge this year. Although you know Wichita State actually kind of really dominated Central Florida actually in that series. So you know who really concerns you? When it comes to American Athletic Conference softball, American Athletic Conference softball had better be concerned about the Shockers because they've got a lot coming back and a lot of it is young. Uh, Neely Herring didn't even mention her. We were how deep are we into Shocker softball talk? Haven't even mentioned you know maybe the best all around player on the team. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we ought to mention her name. There's there is so there is such a disgusting wealth. Just just how greedy do you have to be for Shocker Softball? How can you get all these players on your team? Christy Breadbetter, greediest coach in the Central Time Zone. <laughs> fantastic job recruiting this team. She got basically everybody that Oklahoma didn't want, it would appear. And, and you know, you look at how competitive that they were, and we're going to get into the Oklahoma games probably a little bit more. Oklahoma allowed more than five runs in a game so far this year. Obviously, they're moving on to Super Regionals. They're going to be hosting Super Regionals. They allowed five runs in a game six times this year, and two, two were from Wichita State. So, you know, Christy Breadbetter, obviously, you know, this started a few years ago, has been recruiting her butt off. And getting players, because it's it's all about those relationships. You can be the greatest coach in the world. It doesn't matter. You've got to get girls to come in who can hit the ball. And Wichita State is, outside of Norman, Oklahoma, probably mm-hmm. the most feared offensive team in the country. So Coach Breadbenner has set this program up. You know, I almost think, Tommy, at this point, we need to change the standards by which, for, and I am going to, from now on, going to next year, the standard that I judge Wichita State softball by will be different. The standard is going to be, can you host a regional? Can you get players, can you get the other teams to come here? Because the way that they organize the NCAA tournament, and you can hate it, you can say it's not fair, and to a certain extent, them getting down to Norman probably was a little unfair, but it is the reality that softball has to deal with. So in my mind, Tommy, the takeaway is for Wichita State to ascend to the next level, they need to be better than Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State had a regional this year in Stillwater. Shockers beat them two out of three games, so they can beat Oklahoma State. Obviously, they pushed Oklahoma in game two. The other two games were not that close. Shocker softball needs to exceed the level of Oklahoma State and try to host a regional so they don't have to go to Norman, Oklahoma, so that they can have teams come to Wilkins. I, I'm, I could not be more excited about what Shocker softball has the potential to put out on the field. I mean, I think that this could be a four, five, six-year run, including this year. I think they're set up for a, for five great years of softball. Now, obviously, Coach Breadbender has got to keep recruiting, got to get better players, got to get better pitching. But, Tommy, this if you're a Shocker Athletics fan, 
you better get out to Wilkins Stadium. And I know that they're trying to get you to go to that. I get that. And you should be excited about baseball too. But this is a fantastic, fantastic program. And everyone involved with it ought to be commended. What a special, special year. Yeah, I mean, your statements echo what Madison Perrigan said after the Shockers were eliminated over the weekend. She said, and I quote, you're going to have a powerhouse in Kansas and it is going to be the Shockers. Yep. Um, so that's the sentiment around the program right now. The players have that sentiment. They've got that thought moving forward. Uh, they don't see this as a one-time anomaly. They see this as the standard moving forward, kind of where the Shocker program is going to go. I want to take a little bit more of an existential look at this. Um, we can talk about the the gameplay and the strategy, the actual action on the field, and we will. We'll get to that. But let's not forget this has been a pretty tumultuous year for Wichita State, both from an athletics perspective and from just an overall university perspective. There's a brand new president at Wichita State after controversy uh, forced out the former president, Jay Golden. Uh, Rick Muma is now the, the new president. He served his interim. Now he's in there uh, with the permanent role. Of course, we don't need to talk about in detail all the, the drama with Shocker basketball. And it's been kind of a rough go for Shocker baseball too uh, over the last you know couple of years or so with their former coach Todd Butler before sure. Eric Wedge came in. I don't think you can understate the importance of having not only uh, quality coaches like Isaac Brown and Eric Wedge and of course Christy Breadbinner and there are other coaches on, on staff as can, well. Can I get with the a other shout programs. out for my guy Chris Lamb. Chris Lamb. Absolutely. Got, I mean, shock, shock volleyball. Out. Oh, shocker volleyball for sure. I mean, what I'm saying is that you've got quality coaches in those different roles, but you can't understate the importance of stability. Uh, I think Isaac Brown has brought stability to the shocker basketball program. I think Eric Wedge has brought a ton of stability and experience Agreed. to shocker baseball. And you're seeing that program on the, on the rise. Uh, clearly coach breadbinner is bringing much needed stability. And so overall, what you're looking at is you're looking at an athletics department as a whole that has, I don't want to say rebuilt themselves, but maybe, you know, they, they've re-energized themselves after all of the turmoil overall with the university from the last year or two. So uh, hats off to the Shocker softball squad. Of course, it all relates down to what's going on on the actual field. But from a 30,000 foot view for me, I think it is so important. If you are just an overall Wichita State Shocker fan of the, all of the athletic programs, you've got to be thrilled with what Shocker softball has done this year and what it looks like they're going to be doing in the years to Come. Let's talk a little bit about what ended up happening over the course of the weekend for the Shockers. I know that we talked at length last week on the program about, and you you touched on it too just a moment ago, about how it might have been unfair for Wichita State to travel down to Norman to take on the number one team in America. We weren't the only ones that thought that. The fans weren't the only ones that thought that. The players weren't the only ones that thought that. OU coach Patty Gasso thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. After the Sooners beat the Shockers, she was quoted as saying, Wichita State, I'm going to say this again. No one is listening. They shouldn't be at this regional. They shouldn't, and it makes me sick that they were because they're too good. They deserved better than to come to the number one seed. They really did. She went on to say, I think they could have gone to any place in the country and pushed anybody the same way they pushed 
us, probably even further. I respect them, and I feel like they made us better this weekend. So clearly, that's high praise coming from the coach of the number one program in America and a coach who knows what it's like to win national championships. It's kind of like that that saying, game respects game, right? That's kind of the way that it, yeah. it was coming from Patty Gasso to the Wichita State Shocker squad. Let's talk first off. We, we know that the, the Shockers swept Texas A&M in both the first and the third games in the regionals. But that very first game that the Shockers faced OU after they beat Texas A&M on Friday night, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, the Shockers gave the Sooners pretty much everything that they wanted before the Sooners were able to pull ahead and win uh, by a final score of 7-5. to five. When you take a look at that opening game against Texas A&M, then the first game against OU, you would have to think that the Shockers were feeling pretty good about their chances to potentially go in and upset OU. I know they didn't win that opening opening game against OU, but they did push the Sooners. So you'd have to think that they felt pretty good about that. Yeah, I I, I certainly would. Um, you know, by the way, uh, also we've gotten this far in the program. Um, can we talk a little bit about? Uh, I'm just going to mention her name, Sydney McKinney. <laughs> sure, <laughs> mention yeah. her name. Sure, ridiculous. You know, just just how deep this team is. Yeah. I what my takeaway is from Oklahoma, and you know we'll we'll break down kind of exactly what happened here a little bit more. But you know, first of all, Wichita State offensively. You know, pitching was a concern the whole weekend. But offensively, they basically just sliced through Texas A&M like they were Velveeta cheese and you were getting ready to make chili con queso. Like they Madison weren't Perrigan even had two home runs. She yes. had two home runs in that opening game. So, you know, Texas A&M basically, you know, from a pitching perspective, provided barely any resistance at all to Wichita State. So yeah. they, they, they crushed the Aggies. And, you know, the SEC is still a great softball league. You know, they've got like six teams in Super Regionals or something. It's it's incredible what the SEC has done in softball. But, you know, for a Wichita State to come in and just absolutely clobber a Texas A&M team, you know, a mid-range team from the by far the best conference, I think sure. says a lot about, about Wichita State. I hope that... Wichita State will learn something about the atmosphere. It had been a little while since they had been in this type of a position. And so I hope with all the players that are coming back, the Herrings, the McKinneys, the Lauren Mills, and you know, the, the pitching that they have coming back. Um, I thought they got some pretty good innings from Caitlin Bingham, uh, especially yeah. against Texas A&M. Uh, you know, early in her relief appearance against Oklahoma, she kind of kept the Shockers around for, for a while. I hope that they learn something about playing in that kind of an atmosphere because, you know, I don't know if you just go from being the kind of team that Wichita State is, number 24 in the RPI, to hosting your own regional. That's probably not going to be a one-year turnaround. Probably not. I think it could be. I think they have the talent to make that happen. But there's so many unknowns. You know, is the coronavirus going? You mentioned all the challenges. I don't even think we mentioned the coronavirus. Like sure, one, yeah. of the, one of the big, biggest challenges. They've of done the last all of this in the months. middle of a global pandemic. I mean, yes. you know, and, and it got better during that time. <laughs> yeah. So we, we we hope, obviously, you know, from everything that we've seen. I mean, the number I, I checked the New York Times yesterday. Nobody's doing anything with a mask on and the numbers are still going down. So we're hoping that everything's going to be back to normal next year, obviously. 
I hope that they, you know, take away not just the the belief that they can do it because I think that they went into that Oklahoma the Oklahoma games believing they could. I hope they have confidence, especially from that second game. They're they're going to have to do a better job of eliminating the big inning. And for me, Tommy, it comes down to the free pass. There were so sure. many times in the Oklahoma games, you look in that bottom of the fifth, they get the lead out off, you know, hitter out, but then there's a walk later in the inning. There's a walk just before a three run home run. There were so many free passes in the 24 seven game, you know, Wichita yeah. state in that game, they ended up with nine walks. They hit two batters. You can't do that against a team the caliber of Oklahoma, which, by the way, kind of came out of the gate and pretty much just disrespected Wichita State. You know, and God bless Patty Gasso. She's a great coach, four-time national champion, and I do believe that she is sincere. She basically threw out you and me against Wichita State. It was what They had a combined, like, 27 innings pitched the whole year, and Wichita State said, Olivia Raids, who the hell is this? I'll tell you exactly right. where you can stick Olivia Reigns back in the bullpen where she belongs. Don't bring her out here to face us. They got five hits and four and runs off the first two, you know, pitchers for Oklahoma who are nobodies. So they went through them like they weren't even there. Now, Nicole May came in and she settled things down and Wichita State still did a pretty commendable job, still battled against them. But from the pitching perspective, you know, they gave up 24 hits but there were so many extra outs they had to get because they just put runners on. You know, Bailey Lang only lasted two and a third innings. Um, but you know, you know what? I'm, I'm going to interrupt you really quick because sure. I think a lot of people, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I think a lot of people are going to throw a lot of uh, crap, for lack of a better term, on Bailey Lang. Uh, if it wasn't no, for Bailey Lang's Bailey Lang. magnificent pitching all season long, right. the Shockers they'd be in a, in a tougher spot than they, they were over the course of the weekend. I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to look at the, the struggles that she had that second game against OU when they lost 24 to seven. And I think you can also look at, okay, yeah, she gave up quite a bit of runs in the fifth inning in that first matchup against Oklahoma. However, before that sixth run fit of uh, the six run fifth inning for the Sooners, Lang held the, held OU, OU to one run through four innings. You know, she pitched she really well, even against Texas a&M. She just couldn't get all the way done. And that's what's going to end up happening. And, and to your point about the free passes and some of the those other issues, you're allowing base runners for a very dangerous team. One swing in the yes. bat, they can break it wide open. And that's exactly what OU did. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I, I definitely don't want to come across as, Hey, Bailey lag, get rid of her. Thank God she's retiring. No, no, no. that's not, and I'm not saying, not I'm all. not saying you were, I'm just right. saying it's easy to look at that final score 24 to seven and be like, man, the pitching for Wichita state is terrible. Really. It's not. The pitching has been really good with both Bailey Lang and Caitlin Bingham all season long. I do agree with your assessment though, that that's going to be a key area that, that coach Breadbinner is going to need to look at for next season. And when you listened, I was listening to the color commentator. I don't I didn't remember her name. I can't say that I watch a whole ton of college softball, but I I, I liked her. I thought she did a good job. And they flashed her credentials up on the screen. She was, you know, she played in the SEC. Now I don't remember what school she played for, but you know, you play in the SEC, you're a pretty damn good softball player. And she basically said, you know what, Wichita State's strength is not their pitching. 
So yeah. to me, that just means that the pitching has got to get better. I know that Caitlin Bingham knows that. I know that Aaron McDonald knows that. And by the way, you know, let's cut those ladies a little bit of slack. Oklahoma is going to do that to a lot of teams. There's sure. a lot of teams that Oklahoma is going to absolutely massacre. Probably in Super Regional, they may massacre a team. They may massacre a team in the Women's College World Series too. So Oklahoma, if Wichita State had gone to Stillwater, if they had gone to Timbuktu, any of the other regionals that they could have gone to, maybe that they should have been assigned to, Oklahoma, whoever you put in Wichita State's place, Oklahoma probably does that to them. Maybe you know what? it's even, even if, worse. Even if, even if OU did that to Wichita State in a super regional or the College World Series, I would be like, all right, well, you know, it's well-deserved. These two teams have faced off a the little bit later on in the, the best of the best. That's the only issue is obviously it happened in the regional as opposed to it the sucks. Shockers getting a chance to go further, get through a regional and then be able to match, you know, be matched up. And they, but that's they could have gotten the way blown out of the water, but that's the way it is. And to your point, you know, the Shockers are, are going to need to do more next season and in the seasons to come to have that opportunity. One other player, Blake, that we I think we said her name earlier, but really haven't talked to her much about is Riley Buck, the Wellington native. She was two for three with two home runs and four RBIs in that first matchup against OU. Uh, She came up strong and, you know, I I don't exactly know. Maybe you have a better knowledge on this than I do. What the landscape around the Wichita Metro looks like for a high caliber softball players. If Riley Buck is a diamond in the rough, or if there's more homegrown talent that the Shockers can cultivate, but she definitely came on strong for the Shockers when they needed her the most. Well, Wellington's got a very solid softball program. And I was actually even able to call a few of those games on the radio for the Crusaders. And uh, her dad is actually the head coach at Wellington. And he was fantastic to work with. But in terms of softball around the Wichita area, there is some city league talent that is worth mentioning. And and you when you have to when you look at softball in the city league and really around Kansas, you have got to look at Bishop Carroll High School. Bishop Carroll has been a perennial, perennial 5A power, 5A power. I mean, undefeated seasons for, you know, for, for coach Harshberger and the, and the coach before him. And I think the coach was a female coach. I don't remember her name. And she retired because of, I think she got a new job or something. And he came in and said, okay, you know, here's my beer, hold it over there and look at what I'm about to do. And sure. which is how it's Bishop Carroll right now. They're heading into the 5A state softball championship, which is this weekend, by the way. And this will be contested at Wilkins Stadium at Wichita State. So Coach Bredbender needs to go out. I mean, you you basically go in your office and you're going to see at the 5A tournament, Bishop Carroll, 20-0. Goddard, number seven seed, 16-6. Eisenhower, 18-4. Valley Center, 17-5. So 5A is absolutely littered on the western half with quality programs right here around Wichita, Kansas. So yeah, you you've got to get those girls in. There is talent available and you know, Wichita Northwest I think has had a pretty solid program as well. No local representation in the 6A championship, but yeah, you look at those teams 
Bishop Carroll, Goddard, both schools and Valley Center, there is local talent available. And, you know, you don't have to stay here in, in Sedgwick County. Wellington with Riley Buck, who I think was really underrated defensively. She had a fantastic diving stop, dove back to the bag against Oklahoma for the double play in that game. Such a fantastic story for Wellington to have one of their own, really one of our own here in South Central Kansas, be yeah. such a star and come back to do it. Didn't have to come back to school this year, but chose to because she knew how special this year could be. And so, yeah, I think that there is a very fertile talent pool right here in Sedgwick County, right here in South Central Kansas that could become the backbone of Wichita State softball for years to come. Last question for you, Blake, before we move on and, and look to Wichita State softball. You said in your open that from now on, your standard for success will be different for Wichita State softball. What is that standard for you? I think the standard now is you have got to get on to the level of Oklahoma State. You've got to get to because I think Wichita, Wichita State beat Oklahoma State. They beat the Cowgirls two out of three games. There's no reason that Wichita State can't expect themselves to do that every year. Now, you're going to have to overcome some challenges. Hopefully, the American will continue to provide quality competition in terms of the RPI. It would be really, really great if Central Florida and South Florida could be you know, top 25 teams year in and year out. And if Wichita State happened to win all the series against those teams, that'd be even better. But you're going to have to get to the level and get to the point. I think the goal is to get to that point. Is Wichita State ever going to be Oklahoma? Probably not. There aren't any schools that are really Oklahoma outside of what, maybe LSU? Arizona yeah. used to be that, but they haven't been for a while since, you know, God, like the Beijing Olympics. Arizona used to be that program, but they're not anymore. I think that Wichita State, outside of Oklahoma, could be, and this is this is a wide-ranging statement. I realize that. I think that they could be the best Midwest softball team outside of Norman, Oklahoma. I think that's what you have to go for. I think that is a specific, measurable, achievable, and challenging goal. Smack. Learn that in college. I got to debut it here on the show. Every single goal that you make in business – advertising in your life should be specific, measurable, achievable, and challenging. I think that that is a smack goal for Wichita State to be the second best Midwest softball program behind Oklahoma. And I think that they can do it. I love the coaches. I love the players that they have coming back. McKinney, Mills, Herring, all these players are coming back. Need to add a pitcher, need to get better. I, I think that Caitlin Bingham and McDonald can step into that role next year. And I, and I really hope that people don't take this as like, oh, geez, Wichita State pitching stinks and, you know, get rid of these. I, I don't want that to be people's takeaway. Oklahoma would have done what they did to Wichita State to probably yeah. any other team outside yep. of the SEC that they would have faced. And by the way, they they – did they have to play Texas A&M? I don't think they actually did. No, actually they didn't because Wichita State beat Texas A&M twice. Yeah. They would have crushed Texas A&M. They would have obliterated Texas A&M. So, you know, outside of the top teams in the SEC, Oklahoma would have done that to anybody. They're 47-2 and two for a reason. So cut the ladies some slack. Such a historic season. And I guarantee you in February, Tommy, you know, in the middle of basketball season, 
we're going to be doing a preview of Wichita State softball because sure. this program is on that level now. They're on the radar, and you know the other the last thing I'll say because I know we got a lot of other stuff to go to get to, but I, I do think that this is an important topic. I think that Wichita State softball needs to become a perennial NCAA team. You're not going to have a 40 win season every year, probably. That's fine. I I understand that. I think that Wichita State needs to consider itself to be a perennial. NCAA tournament team. Even if you're not at the level you're hosting a regional every year, I think Wichita State has the capability to be in the top 30, 40 RPI, maybe contend for the top 25, and make the tournament every single year. I think that, you know, being the second best Midwest team, making the NCAA tournament every year, not going to be easy. Not saying it's going to be easy, but I think that that's the goal for Coach Breadbetter. I I could not be more excited about where Shocker Softball is heading. Uh, I I've, everyone, like I said, needs to be commended. And we talked about you know Shocker Athletics and and how they've been able to kind of turn things around from some turmoil. Does how much credit does Darren Boatwright get for that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think he should get a lot. I think he should get a ton of credit for that. Yeah. Keeping the successful coaches in place, great hire with Isaac Brown, great hire with with Eric Wedge. Um, there's a lot to be excited about here in the Air Capital when it comes to Shocker Athletics. We talked about all the awards that Shocker Softball won. Of course, we all know they won the American regular season and the American Conference Tournament. Uh, and I thought this stat was really interesting. Uh, Oklahoma played 50 games this season. They had allowed five or more runs only six times the entire season. Twice of those came against Wichita State. There were six seniors that suited up for the final time on Sunday. Riley Buck, Kaylee Hecker, Bailey Lang, Haley Martinez, Bailey Nickerson, and Madison Perrigan. But I think, Blake, you and I both agree that we are excited about the foundation and uh, what is to come in the future for Shocker Softball. We're going to stick with Wichita State and move into Shocker Baseball as the Shockers wrapped up their final regular season series over the weekend at home at X Stadium against Memphis. They took uh, three of four from the Tigers, winning the first three games. Final score 12 to 5 on Thursday. Uh, the early game, the late game on Thursday, they won 8 to 5. They won on Friday 9 to 5 before dropping the regular season finale on Saturday afternoon. Final score 9 to 4. The Shockers draw the three seed in the American Conference Tournament. They will take on the six seed, South Florida. That game happens on Tuesday evening. So this uh, episode will drop on Tuesday morning. So uh, just a few hours from now, Shocker Baseball will take on South Florida, the sixth seed. Of course, the American tournament takes place in Clearwater, Florida. The Shockers currently have a record of 30 wins and 21 losses in the regular season. We know how they are at home. They're a pretty good baseball team at home with a record of 20 and 8, but they're an even 500 away, 10 and 10 on the season. They're 0 and 3, though, on neutral sites. Blake, your thoughts on Shocker Baseball getting the three seed in the American tournament and what you think the ceiling is for the Shocker squad as they move forward? I think that they can win the I think they can win the tournament. I think that they can win the American Athletic Conference tournament. There's been a lot of talk as to, you know, do they have enough? Have they done enough? Is their resume good enough? Are they going to get in in that large bid? I don't think that they will get in. I think that they have to win the tournament, and I think that they can do that. You know, they remember, this Shocker team has shown, you know, 
how good they can play. And we've seen some disappointing series as well. You look at how them playing their best baseball, obviously that's got to be the Houston series and, you know, probably splitting with East Carolina. Remember that was the number eight team in the country and they got absolutely blown out 10 zero run ruled in the first game. And they didn't back down. They came back and run ruled ECU the very next game. And so ECU's the number one. ECU's the number one seed in yeah. the tournament too. Yeah, yeah. So that they've proven that the best team in the AAC, they can play with anybody. So they're going to have to bring that on a consistent basis. That's been the big struggle is trying to find that consistency. They win three out of four at Central Florida, but then they split with South Florida. They win the first three against Memphis. And Coach Wedge in the pregame for the Saturday game against the Tigers. He didn't really sound like he was super enthused with how his team played in the doubleheader. Even though they won 12-5, to 8-5, to five, he was a lot more satisfied with how they did against Memphis on Friday. So I think the consistency is still an issue for this team, but I don't think that there's any reason why Wichita State should not go into this tournament. They're not the favorites, obviously. The ECU yeah. is, is clearly the favorite. They're clearly better than every other American team in just about every category that, that you can be better than. ECU is the favorite, without a doubt. But weird things happen in conference baseball tournaments. It's double elimination. I think that the Shockers, absolutely, the ceiling is to win the tournament and make the NCAA tournament. And, and you know, you have to look at, at two at the record, Tommy, 30 and 21. Remember, in a normal season, you're going to play closer to 59 to 60 games. So when you extrapolate that winning percentage out for another 10 games, you're looking closer at something, what, like 33? And, you know, you've got a much better record than that. So 36 and 22, something like that. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty solid record. I, I know 30 and 20 maybe doesn't sound great because you barely broke that that 30 win barrier is kind of the barometer of are you an okay team or are you not? If you didn't get to 30 wins, then you're not a real good team. If you got to 40 wins, then you had a pretty good year. And obviously if you had 50, a 50 win team is a spectacular season because unlike old Gene did back in the day, you know, these coaches aren't insane and play 75 games a year like Gene (laughs) Stevenson did back in the day. So I remember uh, those days. I think I was at several of them when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't even know. Thinking back on that i don't even know how they did that did they play like six games and i i i can't understand how gene got away with that but uh, i mean they, there were there were games that were played with you know fresh snowfall on the ground i mean they, <laughs> yeah. they were the shocker season i felt like started like like around Thanksgiving. Yeah, like Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. And the, I mean, that, that's an exaggeration, but it went on for a long time. Yeah. And, and you know, it, credit to him. It obviously worked out to, to build something out sure. of nothing uh, over there at, at X Stadium. So I, I think the ceiling for me, Tommy, is win the tournament. I don't think that there's yeah. any reason that you can't win the tournament. They're opening up with South Florida, and that was a series for Wichita State that was just okay. Very up and down, as I said. They got two games where they had pretty good offensive numbers, game two and game four, and in those games, they got pretty good pitching, and in the other games, they didn't get good pitching or good hitting. They, they lost 8-2 to two and 7-1, to one. so certainly not going to be a walkover against the Bulls, but yeah, I think that the ceiling is the Shockers make the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, of course we know, you know, you mentioned how great East Carolina is. They're the number one seed. They finished the season with a record of 38 and 13, 20 and 8 in the American Conference. Connor Norby leads the league in batting average. He's got an average of 420, 89 hits. Gavin Williams is their top pitcher. He leads the conference with nine wins and an ERA under 1.5 and 98 strikeouts. ECU has won the tournament twice in 2015 and 2018. Tulane is the number two seed. The Shockers weren't that far away from Tulane as far as conference record is concerned to sneak into that two seed. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that there was a a chance that the Shockers played incredibly strong down the stretch, that they could steal the number two seed away. Uh, Tulane got it after having a conference record of 17 and 10. The Shockers conference record was 18 and 13. So one more win for the Shockers, but three more losses. And that gives Tulane a better winning percentage to get the number two seed. Colin Burns leads Tulane with a batting average of 346, and they're looking to advance to at least the semifinals for the second time in the American tournament. That was back in 2016 when they were able to do so. And of course, the Shockers come in as the number three seed. Corrigan Bartlett leads the Shockers with a 337 batting average, and Jace Kaminska is 7-1 with an ERA just over 2.5. Blake, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure, and I know you know more about this than I do. I'm going to sound probably like an idiot here. I don't exactly know how the selection process takes place for NCAA regionals. Is this something that the Shockers are going to have to win the American tournament to move on or with their record and the way that they played in the regular season, could they be around for an at-large bid? How does that work? I, I don't. So there is a selection process and yeah, obviously it, it's similar to basketball in that you have conference championships and they're allowed to go in. I don't think that they, if I recall correctly, only 64 teams are getting in. Because remember, they expanded right. men's basketball for extra conferences. They don't do that in baseball. You, yeah. you're, if you, you're not in the top 64, you're not getting in. So because of that, it makes getting an at-large bid that much more difficult. So I, I But think if you're the third-place team in the American Conference, yeah. you could be maybe on the bubble line, I guess, for that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that outside of ECU, let, let me just ask you about it this way. Outside sure. of ECU, who really excites you in the American Athletic Conference? I mean, Tulane's I'm, fine. Tulane's a fine program. I don't know if Tulane is, is, is you know, really a, a lock for an at-large bid. I, I don't think that they are. So the, the American just doesn't have maybe the depth that, you know, maybe softball would have had if Central Florida and South Florida had not fallen off at the end of the year a little bit. You know, maybe shot the, the softball programs could have gotten a couple in. I don't think that that's going to happen for Wichita State. I think that they have yeah. got to – I think they've got, they've got to win the tournament to get in. And they've got the tools to do it. You look at their freshman pitcher, Jace Kaminsha, conference newcomer of the year and all-conference first team, Aaron Hasse, sophomore pitcher, Garrett Kosas, Paxton Wallace, Corrigan Bartlett, all on the first team. And you'll notice so many of those guys have the potential to come back. Now, obviously, with Garrett Kosas – Paxton Wallace being juniors, there's always going to be the draft looming. And will somebody take them? Obviously, if somebody throws $100,000 at Garrett Kosas or Paxton Wallace as a signing bonus, there's always a chance that they're going to go. And, you know, that may be the best thing for them at that time. But there's a potential to have quite a bit back of these top tier guys for Wichita State. So, again, 
I wouldn't be as bullish and it would be foolish to be as bullish and have as high of expectations for the Shocker baseball team as Shocker softball. But I do think that we are on a path of maybe continued growth in Shocker baseball over the next few years. I think they've got a real good chance. Ryan Stumpfig, another guy that I'm looking for to, to hopefully have a really, really nice tournament uh, in the American Athletic Conference tournament for Wichita State. Had great innings in relief early in the series against Memphis. In his last appearance in Memphis, which I believe was the Saturday loss, didn't go so well for Stumpfig in that one. Stumpfig in that one only lasted a third of an inning, gave up four hits, two earned runs. In the previous appearance, he lasted over two innings and didn't give up a run. He was fantastic. So what kind of a Ryan Stumpfig are we going to get? And also, Jace Kaminska was the ace in his last start yeah. and got knocked around a little bit. Shockers still ended up winning the game. But I think it'll be interesting to see how Wichita State manages the pitching staff because this has been due to injuries, due to not finding guys that they like. Wedges really tinkered around with who's starting and plugging guys in and moving guys from the the road from the relief from the bullpen into the starting lineup. Uh, he has not been afraid to mess around, and for the most part, all the knobs he's twisted, the buttons he's pushed, seem to have worked to the best of their ability. Obviously, it's only in the second year of his program he's got to recruit more. I, I think he would tell you that as well. He's got to get guys in here who who want to play the Eric Wedge way yeah. and the Shocker way. But um, yeah, I, I think I'd like to be more optimistic, Tommy. But to go back and circle around to your original question, I don't think that you should be buying plane tickets to go watch the Shockers and regionals until you see that they are hoisting that trophy up in Florida. I would not be comfortable making that purchase. You want to talk about homegrown talent, Jace Kaminska from Caney, Kansas, the small town yeah. of Caney, uh, what, about an hour and a half southeast of, of Wichita. Uh, sure. Kaminska, the newcomer of the year, newcomer pitcher of the year for the American Conference. He leads Wichita State, ranks third in the American, and is tops among conference freshman pitchers. Again, I mentioned his ERA, just over 2.5 and nine starts this season. He's 7-1. and one. He's thrown a conference best two complete games while only allowing 15 earned runs on 48 hits with 45 strikeouts and only 18 walks in almost 54 innings pitched this season. Truly a great debut season for Jace Kaminska. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not here to back up the dump truck on the former regime from Shocker Baseball, mm -hmm. but from someone Sounds that is like you're going to. I'm going to. I'm not here to do it, but I'm going to. From so, from someone that is. That's my job, by the way. That's why I'm here. Is to, sure, you know, sure. So, I, to I, back I'm a the truth, dump truck up. Yeah, I'm a truth teller. Uh, ultimately, um, <laughs> okay. from from someone who has grown up in Wichita and has followed this Shocker baseball program since I was a little boy, and was a little boy when they won it all in the College World Series. Uh, the days of Darren Dreifert and you know uh, Gene Stevenson is the coach. Just how amazing that program was. It was in a sad state when Todd Butler took over. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I'm sure that Todd Butler has skills. I don't exactly know what they are, um, but I'm sure that he has them. But but he he did not do much of anything at all to advance Shocker baseball. There were some people that were concerned about Eric Wedge coming in and taking over that, you know, yeah, he he played for the Shockers. He had a, 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 a good stint in the majors as a manager, but coaching at the college level is a completely different beast with recruiting and, and all of that. But really, I think Eric Wedge has been a pleasant surprise for the 
Shocker program. And I will echo what you said before. I think that we are in an era of continued growth for Wichita State baseball. I'm not saying that they were down in the dumpster by any means. However, they're the number three seed in this conference tournament, Blake. That's by far the highest seed that they've had since they've joined in the American. While. I mean, they were they were like the seventh seed or the eighth seed in the in the conference tournament in previous years once they joined the American. So this is we're already seeing that growth. We're seeing some players who have stepped in uh, that can be that foundation for a long time for Eric Wedge, including Jace Kaminska, assuming he sticks around long term for the Shockers. So I, I know that right now for this season, as you said, more than likely the Shockers are going to have to win the conference tournament if they want their season to continue. But for the future, and I know you said it before, I agree with you. You got to feel pretty good about where Shocker baseball is heading. And I'm, I, you know, how much of that criticism of, of Todd Butler is warranted? You know, the last few years of Gene Stevenson were rather ordinary. They were rough. They were rough. Is all I would say. You know, 30, you could tell 20... that Gene. You you could tell Gene was getting tired. You know, you could tell he was nearing the end. Didn't have the stamina that he sure. had before. So yeah, Todd Butler didn't inherit the Gene Stevenson program from the from the late '80s and early '90s. No, but well, he didn't really do anything to turn it around either. Didn't really even inherit the program from the late 2000 aughts either. I mean, remember, they made back-to-back super regional. I thought, sure. man, I still think that that 2007 team that won 53 yeah. games that lost in the Wichita Super Regional, what a missed opportunity to go to the College World Series. But, yeah, you look at Gene, the last five years did not win 40 games. But you are correct. Todd Butler, you know, in the Missouri Valley Conference, um, had a pretty rough start, 31 and 28th and 26 and 33 in his third year is 21 and 37. Had one 40-win season, but then backed that up going the other way. You know, never finished Gosh, he never finished higher than fourth in the standings and ended up yeah. his last four years tied for fifth, fifth, tied for seventh, and eighth. So not a good look for him at all. Um, but it has been a while. I mean, the last conference championship regular season for the Shockers all the way back in 2010, which was the first year since 2001 that they missed the NCAA tournament. Shockers still trying to get back for the first time since 2009. So Todd Buller didn't really inherit a real good, really humming Shocker program like Gene had had there, like you mentioned in the late 80s, early 90s, and then, you know, after a period of having, well, I mean, it was down by his standards, but, you know, who can live up to what Gene right. Stevenson did, where they only made the regional six years in a row before finally making a super regional again in 2007, 2008. And, you know, they they, they got a lot of players drafted, just never really recovered from that. Um, finally made an NCAA tournament in 2013 that was ended up, you know, ended up being stripped away due to, on some of the baseball guys buying Under Armour hunting gear, and somehow that cost Wichita State more wins than the, than the right. Sandusky scandal did for right, Penn, Penn State right. football. R- flipping most ridiculous thing the NCAA has ever done. Yep. But but that that's a that's a huge uh, digression on on my part. Uh, yeah, I, I think that Eric Wedge is the right guy for this program. He knows Shocker baseball. He has an old school mentality, but can blend new school thinking into it. And if I, I think based on what I've heard and based on the attendance numbers, it seems like people next year will be the real true test because for much of this season, Tommy, fans probably were not super comfortable going to the ballpark. 
It wasn't yeah. until the very end when, you know, the CDC came out and said, hey, if you're outside, you can't catch this thing outside. It's been proven. You cannot catch this thing outside. It's not going to happen. And, you know, finally saying, hey, if you got the vaccine, go do whatever you want. You're going to be fine. So next year, I'm hoping that we're going to see some resurgence in, in terms of attendance, people getting back out to X Stadium. Um, I, I, and I'm still interested to see what the what the relationship is going to be between baseball fans and the competition for butts in the seats between the wind surge and Wichita State baseball, which to this point has been really the only major baseball game in town. Well, here's what I'm excited about. There were some dark days for Wichita baseball fans mm -hmm. for about the last 10 years or so. You had a shocker baseball program that was way down and you had no affiliated baseball in town at all. It was the wing nuts. So there were dark days for Wichita baseball fans uh, for quite a while. It looks like those dark days are starting to come to an end. For the American Conference Tournament, the Shockers will play the late game on Tuesday evening. We don't have a time. It's, it's not going to be super late. We're probably 40. looking at... Seven minutes after yeah. the conclusion of the game. How do they come up with 47 minutes? Yeah, that's a great question. So at any rate, they're going to be playing uh, Tuesday with a double elimination tournament. So they'll play either again on Wednesday or on Thursday. The tournament continues through the weekend. Uh, the All the opening rounds all the way through the semifinals will take place on ESPN+. Plus. Although the championship game will happen on Sunday late morning, early afternoon, and you can catch that on the marquee network of ESPN News. Uh, so that's the way that uh, Shocker Baseball, uh, yeah. they're, they're going to be looking to get all the way to the conference championship. Better than the Ocho, I guess. That's absolutely true. That's our recap of both Shocker Softball and Shocker Baseball here on Keeper of the Games. Let's get into some Kansas City Royals news. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned it in the open, Blake, that maybe not all hope is lost for the Kansas City Royals. When we did our last show a week ago, the Royals were in a bad spot. In fact, they've been in you know <laughs> kind of a rough spot. spot for quite a while. They had dropped, I believe, two of three against the White Sox just immediately prior to us recording our last episode. But since that time, the Royals have won four of five. Uh, they swept the Brewers and they took two of three from the Tigers. Right now, the Royals set with a record of 22 and 23. They're one game under 500, setting in third place in the American League Central, four games back from the Chicago White Sox who have a record of 26 and 19. Of course, we know, Blake, that this is nowhere near where the Royals were just a few weeks ago, but it's better than they were standing when they hit that big-time losing skid of, I believe, 11 games or so. So, again, I guess it's time to play that game. Do the Kansas City Royals suck? What do you think? Uh, I mean, no, I guess not, but... I mean, if you're asking me to get super excited because they took two of three from Detroit, I'm not going to do that. I'm but just they not. swept the Brewers. They swept well, Milwaukee. They swept Milwaukee. Woohoo! Milwaukee's a 500 team. They I only mean, had to play five games last week. So, it, it, you know, it's not – there are still some significant problems. What's Danny Duffy going to look like when he gets off the disabled list. He should be coming back here. You know, I'm not sure if he's going to be, I'm not sure when he's coming back, but he was on the 10-day disabled list, if I'm not mistaken. He should be coming back, due to come back, eligible to return here pretty quickly. 
in the next game or or maybe the game after that. I'm not sure. Royals, next up for them, uh, they're actually going to be uh, at Tampa Bay for a three-game series. And then, wow, Minnesota. What in the world is going on with the Twins this year? Oh, that, they're bad. They are wow. bad. That is, that is a shocking, because if you look at the... You look at the standings and their expected win-loss. Their expected win-loss is four games higher than where they are. So something's going on in Minnesota. You look at the expected win-loss for Detroit, and even the sabermetricians say, yeah, Detroit sucks. They should be terrible. I mean, the Twins have the worst record in baseball. Worst record in baseball. By what? Yeah, their their run differential though is like twenty four better than the Tigers though. It's it's yeah. they are one better in the run differential than Kansas City. So which is why I said when Kansas City was all the way up there, like guys, they've got a negative run run differential. Just relax. So Danny Duffy coming off the disabled list, big question. Brad Keller has been, I guess, the best praise that I could say has would be he's been fine the last few starts. His ERA is still over six and a half. Mike Miner has been fine the last few starts. Kyle Zimmer has still been pitching well. They've gotten some good innings of relief out of the bullpen. And, and Brady Singer has been pretty good. I think over his last three starts or so, he's like a 3.5 ERA. I mean, I can look it up. I looked it up before because we do real research on this show. Yeah, 2-1 over his last seven games with a 3.4 ERA. And last week, uh, he went six and a third against Detroit, six hits, three earned runs, had a very solid quality start against Chicago. Last start against Detroit on the road on May 11th was pretty terrible. Um, So he's been pretty fine. Here's the thing offensively, Tommy, that I look at for Kansas City right now. What in the world is going on with Jorge Soler and Hunter Dozier? They're terrible right now. Hunter Dozier is hitting 139. Jorge Soler is hitting 182. That's not good enough. They they are getting they have so much tied up in these guys. I know Hunter Dozier has been hurt, and and you know, I know he was hitting the ball really hard early in the year. But let's look at the let's look at what's happened the last seven games for Mister Dozier, Tommy. How does O for twenty four sound? Is that good? That doesn't sound very good to me. That's pretty bad. So he has, does not have a hit in the last week worth of games. That's pretty awful. Jorge Soler, not much better. Two for 25. So he, they got two hits out of these guys over the last seven games. They got to figure something out with Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler. And again, Carlos Santana hitting two. He's cooled down a little bit coming back to earth. But hey, he had a walk-off home run. Walk-off walk home, home run on Sunday. Run in those retro uniforms, no comment. Hey, if you had told me at the beginning of the season, which I know you wouldn't have told me this because you were so down was, on the Carlos Santana signing. Uh, but if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Carlos Santana would be a more effective batter than Jorge Soler, I would have laughed you off the planet. Really, And that's exactly the way that the, the season has panned out. I, I would have never guessed. I know that Carlos Santana has been known to be a big hitter, and I know that he's been known to hit a lot of home runs. He doesn't really hit for average all that right. well. At least he hasn't historically. But I there there had been a little bit of regression, I think, from him over the years, while Jorge Soler, you know, has had been 
kind of one of the cornerstones offensively for the Royals. I would have absolutely put the bet on Jorge Soler to be the better hitter this season than Carlos Santana. It's been the exact opposite. You mentioned, Blake, that Jorge Soler was hitting 188 or is hitting one or I'm sorry, 182. Uh, his on-base percentage is 263 right now. <laughs> this is how bad he's playing right now. I don't know if you noticed this, but on Sunday's game, Mike Matheny penciled Jorge Soler in seventh in the batting lineup. Ryan O'Hearn, who's batting 188, Not was good. batting above Jorge Soler in the lineup. He's clearly struggling. I don't really know what the issues are right now, but you know we talked about it at, all the way back before the season started when we previewed the Royals and about how this is a contract year for Jorge Soler. He's going to be entering free agency next season. He's going to need to perform not just for the Royals, but for other teams that are going to want to offer him quite a bit of money. He has clearly not done that through the first two months of the season. <laughs> no, no, he's done. He's he's going to put himself in the dollar store is what he's doing because nobody's yeah. going to sign him after this year. It's not all negative, and I will say another guy signing. I, you know, Weston, if he was here, I'm sure he would be harping on this. Andrew Benintendi has really turned things around after having a pretty sluggish start to the year. He's hitting 350 over the last seven games for Kansas City. So it's not all just doom and gloom, but yeah, those most of the time it seems like, and I don't have this information offhand, it seems like most of the time when guys are in a contract year, they have a, a really good season. Jorge Soler is not having that kind of a season. And yeah, yeah Ryan O'Hearn is the DH. Like, what do we do? Why is the DH hitting 180? He, the only you know job what? he has is to hit. Here's the thing about Jorge Soler, and I actually I saw a bunch of people on Twitter that were you know they've been following the Royals for the the last you know few few weeks when the when the skid really started for Kansas City, right. talking about why are the Royals still playing Jorge Soler? Give him some time off, let him sit, you know maybe try to get him to work out his slump in the batting cage. You don't necessarily need to play him, whatever. Well, there's quite a bit of reason why the Royals should continue to keep playing Jorge Soler. The fact is because he's in a contract year, they want his value to be as high as possible so they can potentially trade him. They want him to work his way out of the slump to where there will be other teams that will actually want him to come and play for their team because I doubt that they're going to be able to re-sign him. And I don't know if they really should pursue him considering the way that he started out the season. But if you bench him, he's absolutely not going to get any more value. So you're kind of flipping a coin, hoping, crossing your fingers, that he's going to be able to work it out when he's better. He helps the Royals, but even, even beyond that, they're, they're going to try to get as much value out of him as possible. But yeah, I absolutely agree. It's not good. And the fact that he has found his way sliding down the lineup card is even worse. Tommy, he has struck out in 45 games. He has struck out 56 times. He has four home runs. Four home Four runs home in the season. Four home runs and 56 strikeouts. How what many are we RBIs? Doing? How, how many RBIs does he have? Do you have that uh, in front of you? I do have that in front of me. Jorge Soler, 24 RBIs. Did you know that one Just fourth tied for third on the team, by the way? Did you know that one fourth of those RBIs came in one game? A so one fourth of those 24 RBIs came in yep. one game. 
Wow, he had a six RBI Soler. game. Oh, he had wow. a six RBI game early on in the season. But what I'm saying is oh, that he's yeah, not spreading it. He's not spreading it out over the course no. of the entire season, right? So there, there's there are legitimate concerns there, um, yes. and not not just with Jorge Soler. Whit Merrifield isn't hitting great. Hasn't hit great for most of the season. No, I mean, doesn't really look like the Andrew Benatendi uh, trade has really panned out you offensively expect Merrifield for Kansas City. To be a guy who flirts with 300. And he's sure. he's not right right now. Last seven games, he's hitting barely over 200. So you know, Salvador Perez. You know, God bless that guy. Thank goodness we have Salvador Perez. Yeah, to hit nine home runs and and 27 RBIs and hit 280 without him as a power bat and Carlos Santana. You know, I don't know what the I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that they need to figure something else out for for Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler. And like I said, we had this conversation two weeks ago, you know, because I know the Weston still on his horn about hey, what Kansas City's going to compete? They're going to compete for to to get to eighty wins. If Hunter Dozier hits one thirty nine and Jorge Soler ends up what he's going to he's on pace to strike out what like a hundred and eighty times this year. <laughs> That's not gonna get it done. That's not good. That's not gonna get no, it done. But I will say, I will say, you know, and I, I led into this by saying maybe not all hope is lost. We talked a lot of doom and gloom about this royal squad. They they're six and three in their last nine games, and sure. they're getting Adalberto Mondesi back sooner rather than later. It's not going to be that long before he comes back. And you would like to think we've been talking about coming back though for, for like since like April 1st, I hear he's continuing. He's like, Hey, Montessi's coming back. He's coming. When's he back? Well, you know, he's been, he's been running those, you know, rehab assignments. Sure. Um, you know, I, I know that there was all that buzz about him playing next to Bobby Witt jr. Which by the way, Bobby Witt jr. Had a mammoth home run for the uh, Northwest Arkansas naturals crushed. Yeah, that was crazy. According to um, Royals Review, it looks like there's oh, actually Dayton Moore uh, told 610 Sports Radio said that he's that uh, Mondesi is going to be joining AAA Omaha. Uh, that would have been so I guess he's already with Omaha. He joined okay. AAA Omaha last week, but he does tell uh, Ryan Lefevre that they're not going to rush him back. So he may be in AAA for a little while, but he's one step closer to joining the big league squad. You'd like to think he can give the Royals a much needed spark. Sure. Um, you know, and, and like I said, they back. Yeah, they're six and nine or six and three in their last nine games. The challenge for Kansas City Blake comes this week. They're on the road for a three game set against the Rays, who are the defending American League champions. Really so good race team. That's going to be a challenge. That that series kicks off on Tuesday, runs through Thursday before they're on the road in Minnesota for a weekend set against the Minnesota Twins. Of course, we'll have you know more details for you next week. After they finish that three-game set against the Rays, though, uh, a three-game set on the road against the Twins, who, of course, have the worst record in baseball. Then they're back at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are not a very good baseball team either. So there are some yeah. opportunities for Kansas City to get back in this thing, but there are some question marks that we have talked about quite a bit. We'll have more info for you uh, next week on the program. Our next topic, I think we're just going to wrap it into our Wichita whip around. We're going to start that Wichita whip around right now here on Keeper of the Games, where it's all the topics that deal specifically with Wichita area sports. And uh, we'll kick things off here on the Wichita whip around by talking about the Wichita Thunder. We mentioned it at the very tail end of last week's program, but we felt like it was only right to talk about it a little 
little bit more in depth. The Wichita Thunder have clinched a postseason spot with nearly three weeks to go in the regular season. They clinched that uh, that that playoff berth. Currently, they lead the Western Conference in the ECHL. 40 wins, 18 losses. Uh, they've got 88 points overall, the winning percentage of 66%. And so, Blake, uh, congratulations to the Wichita Thunder making it into the postseason. Fantastic job by Wichita Thunder. Shout out to our guy, Malsey. Anthony yep. Beauregard, you, you look at the guy who's kind of driving the Zamboni for this team, leads the ECHL in points. He's been absolutely fantastic for the Wichita Thunder. 22 goals, 49 assists, 71 points, and a plus-minus of 27. And there are a lot of guys that score a lot of goals, and there's been some debate on whether plus-minus really means a lot in hockey. You look at the guys in the top 10 in terms of their points this season, Anthony Beauregard has the best plus-minus Plus 27. The only guy that's close is John McCarron of Florida. Nobody else is in the 20s at all at plus minus. And there are a couple of guys who are in the negatives, like negative 7, negative 11. So Anthony Beauregard has been great. He's averaging over a point per game for Wichita. He has been fantastic for the Thunder. Big reason in his 62 games why the Wichita Thunder have clinched. And they're on the way to winning the division, Tommy. Maybe yeah, even the, the whole conference. Yeah, they, they really are. It's been a great season for the Thunder. Last time we talked to Jason Mouse here on the program, we referenced that there was a little bit of a skid midway through the season for the Thunder, but hats off to Bruce Ramsey for turning the team around, uh, getting them to clinch that postseason berth. Uh, this weekend, there's only a few regular season games left, mm -hmm. but this weekend they'll be back at home after they're on the road taking on the Tulsa Oilers on Friday evening. They're back at home both on Saturday and Sunday, so your Memorial Day weekend plans, if you're looking for something to do, definitely go on down to Interest Bank Arena as the Thunder back in action Saturday night against the Tulsa Oilers at 7.05 and then Sunday afternoon at 4.05. Uh, I believe it's Fandemonium weekend for the Thunder. I don't oh. exactly know what all that entails. It just popped up on my screen when I went to the Thunder website, but the games on Saturday and Sunday uh, are called Fandemonium, so I would imagine I'm, a lot I'm, of cool promotion. I'm guessing uh, that beer will be involved. <laughs> You would think so. You would definitely think so. After that, uh, the Thunder finish the regular season on the road. They take on the Allen Americans uh, Wednesday, June 2nd on the road, and then finish out on the 5th on the road against the Kansas City Mavericks. Blake, what is your Wichita Whip Around story? This actually broke just hours before we started recording on Monday afternoon. The National Baseball Congress announcing with the Wichita wind surge that Riverfront Stadium will be the host of the 2021 NBC World Series. It'll be played here in Wichita at the brand new stadium August 9th to August 14th. Kevin Jenks telling the Eagle, huge and exciting, old stomping grounds, brand new stadium. 16-team double elimination tournament going to begin the week prior. They're going to actually host the first week in Hutchinson at Hobart Detterfield from August 4th through the 8th. They hosted a, a smattering of first round, first week games last summer uh, when Wichita State's X Stadium, as you recall, was the primary host. So the teams are going to have to win twice in Hutchinson. If you do, you punch your ticket to championship week at the brand new $75 million stadium here in Wichita. And Tommy... This was something that I was very outspoken about, very passionate about as being the gravest misjustice, the worst thing that ever came about with this new stadium. 
the biggest travesty was that the NBC did not have a permanent home. And I still don't think they have permanent offices there. I still say today, and I don't know if that was a Schweckheimer decision, Jeff Longwell decision, who was involved with that. They told us that if we build this stadium, the NBC is going to be here. And thank goodness a year and a half later, it's finally come true because the people who promised that are no longer around and nobody really wanted to answer for that. And I was really kind of ticked off about that because of the NBC and what Kevin Jenks has done to raise the level of that tournament. Tommy, I don't know if you were around. You're a huge baseball guy. Maybe you went to those tournaments. 2012, 2013, when I first got here, I was doing play-by-play for the tournament on local radio. We weren't the primary radio partner, but we had a lot of the local games. We did the 7 o'clock game. And I remember the first two years I got down here to Wichita, they were probably the hottest summers on record anywhere on the planet. You know, we had the ozone warnings. It was like 130 heat index. And nobody wanted to go to this tournament. It was absolutely dead. Nobody cared. And Kevin Jenks, with his ingenuity, his creativity, has developed such a resurgence in this event. And I hope with the new ballpark, it's going to continue. They deserve to be there. They should be there. And thank you to everyone involved for getting the NBC back to where they belong in that footprint at that stadium. That's where it should be. And Kevin Jinks even went on to say that he believes that it will be there for forever now, at least for championship week. I would like to see it there for the whole tournament. Minor league baseball, somebody forward this to them. Figure out the schedule to give the the wind surge a two-week road trip. I know that head coach Borrega is probably going to come and kill me for saying this. <laughs> Send them on the road for two weeks and let the NBC have the stadium. They'll figure it out with the schedule. They always did in the American Association. Don't tell me that the AA Central can't figure out a way for Wichita to host this tournament there. I think that that would still be a great goal, but if you can't have that, I am very, very glad that they will have the tournament in the spot where it should be at the brand new building for championship week. And it sounds like it's going to be there each and every year moving forward. Yeah, the full quote from Kevin Jinks, the the director of the NBC World Series, he says, I don't see it ever ending. We've been respectful of what they've had to go through in so many ways. It's been a topsy-turvy year for everyone, and I think when the dust settles, it will be really good for both sides. We anticipate having a long-term relationship with them, and it's important for the NBC to have a strong relationship with the wind surge. We want to do everything we can to be good partners. My understanding, and I could be mistaken here, but my understanding is that there's a, a portion of the new stadium that will be become a museum for Wichita baseball, for NBC baseball and that sort of thing. Um, I I don't know if that's still in the plans, but I I believe that is still happening. I I could be mistaken there. Blake, we could do, we could dedicate an entire episode to talking about NBC baseball in Wichita. And I would love to have Kevin Jinks on the program. I bet we could could do it. I bet we could do it. I think I'm Facebook friends with Kevin. I don't know Kevin super well, uh, but I have worked with him briefly in years past when I worked in radio promoting the NBC World Series um, and just from from the time of being a kid all the way to an adult 
NBC baseball is a staple for Wichita in the same way that minor league baseball is in the same way that that Wichita State baseball is. It, it, it's a staple. Wichita is a baseball town. I will say that that should be put on my on my headstone someday <laughs> for people that don't believe it. It is true. Wichita is a baseball town. It always has been and it always will be. And really, it starts with the NBC World Series. And a lot of people say, and I've heard this from different people I know over the years saying, I don't really care about the NBC tournament. I don't know who any of these players are. It's semi-pro baseball, whatever. I don't really care. But think of the players that have come through Wichita playing in the NBC World Series. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of Hall of Famers. I'm not oh, saying yeah. that either one of those legends. guys are Hall of Famers, but legends have come through yeah, and I like played. How all in, the players you could have grabbed, those were they the two they that came they're out. They're not for. Hall of Famers, yeah. No. But, but legends have, have come through and, and started their careers by playing semi-pro baseball in Wichita. The, and I agree with you. I hope that it permanently returns to Riverfront Stadium in that footprint for many, many years to come. Uh, the only other thing that I will say is that if they can't play the whole tournament at Riverfront Stadium. I'm glad to, to see it in Hutchinson. I'm glad to see Hobart Detter Field be the, the opening yeah, sure. round matchups because my understanding is that Hutchinson rallied around the NBC tournament last year. And, you know, it was a it was a weird year and they had to play somewhere else. And which I again I agree with you that was a mistake. But I think I don't think it would be fair for fans in Hutchinson to get the NBC tournament for one year and then all of a sudden they're gone again. So I sure. like the idea of a hybrid format that those good fans in Hutchinson are going to get a chance to watch uh, some semi-pro baseball this season. But yeah, long term, it would be great to have, you know, Riverfront Stadium host the entire tournament for, for, for the years to follow. I think it's great. Absolutely. Do you have any other thoughts? Any other thoughts on that? No, couldn't couldn't have said it better. You put the tournament here. That it should be at that building. Period. Awesome. Uh, that is our Wichita whip around here on Keeper of the Games. Before we get out of here, Blake, any additions, subtractions, re, you know, retractions, omissions, anything like that? It's additions, corrections, and retractions. Whatever. God, we've been doing know. this segment for like three months. You haven't gotten it right once. Terrible. You so, introduced that segment, so you need to to do it right. I don't know. I always do it right. I've never made a mistake on this segment, and I'm not going to make one this one and make one during this segment either. Uh, I do want to point out five A or not just five A. A lot of the state baseball, state softball, KSHSAA is coming up this weekend. X Stadium is actually hosting 5A boys baseball. Talked about the Bishop Carroll girls. Uh, Bishop Carroll boys baseball, 21-1. and They're going to be in action 330, taking on May South on the 27th. And uh, the other local teams there, well, there aren't any except for Andover Central. The number one seed overall at 21-1. and 4A state softball championship is going to be in Salina at the Bill Burke Complex and Dale Garden Plain is going there. Thank goodness Weston isn't here, so we can talk about his aunt, who somehow <laughs> coaches the Andale softball team. God, ridiculous. Um, 6A baseball is going to be at the Fort Scott LaRoche Baseball Complex. Derby baseball is headed there. And obviously, we already told you about the Bishop Carroll softball team undefeated and uh, 5A state softball getting underway as well. One correction for you you said that next week we would have more action on the Royals. We're going to be here next week. So oh, maybe you're going to do point. a solo show, but I'm not going to be here next week for any update on the Royals. 
Fair enough. We'll give you an update in two weeks about the Kansas City Royals. Atta, I have one. I have one addition to the show uh, that we didn't mention. This was uh, announced uh, on Monday morning through ESPN. I don't know if you heard about this, Blake, or not. The uh, there's a brand new high school basketball league, an elite national league that is going to begin in the 2021-2022 season called the National Interscholastic Basketball Conference. And six of the biggest high school basketball powerhouses will be included, including Sunrise Christian Academy. They will be one of the teams in this new league, as well as Oak Hill, Montverde, IMG Academy, La Lumiere School, and Wasatch Academy, along with two other schools yet to be announced. They're going to be playing a 10-game regular season, a play-in special NIBC events, and hold a postseason tournament as well. Apparently, this whole thing got started during the pandemic when these programs were trying to find competitive matchups against uh, other teams, and they decided to form an entire league to play. Luke Barnwell, who's the head coach of Sunrise Christian, was quoted in the ESPN article by saying, and I quote, the games will be intense because of the talent level, the national platform, as well as the scouting and preparation that goes into each game. The standings keep everything competitive and having a postseason championship will make it even more competitive. There is no choice but to be ready to compete because we are playing each other multiple times with something at stake. Uh, I I just think it's interesting that now there's, there's this new national league as you've got these high school players who are really trying to do everything that they can to take their game to the next level. Yeah, that that's very, I had not heard that. You were correct on that. That is yeah. very interesting. I have mixed feelings about that. Um, on, one, on the one hand, I really like high school sports and I like them in the scope of the City League, the AVCTL. I don't right. want people to, you know, be torn away. I want Wichita East basketball to be a big deal. Bishop Carroll basketball, Wichita Southeast, Wichita Heights. I want those schools and those programs and those games to matter in a way that they have mattered. When you, you know, you had these legends from all the way back in the 80s with Aubrey Sherrod and all the way up to Connor Frankamp. You know, the, the right. games have mattered big time. And I wonder if something like that, if they promote it right at sunrise, would diminish that in some way. I, I don't think it would. I hope it doesn't. On the other hand, though, you've got a, a Sunrise Christian Academy that, you know, how are they going to promote it? Are they? Is this something that will maybe draw a national television audience? Is I think some, so, yeah. Is this something so. that they could set up Sunrise Christian could have some sort of a local radio presence for these games. Yeah. How they, I'll be interested to see how Sunrise Christian and the other schools in the league try to promote it, try to monetize it. Is this going to be something that comes back around to the name and likeness thing and amateur athletics? And, and, you know, that's been taking NCAA athletics into complete upheaval this is kind of a step in that direction of this national high school league and and i think that that's players that's part of the reason i think why they wanted to come together and do a league because now rather than it being directly on the shoulders of, of each of each school you know to promote and you know do whatever they can do some league-wide deals i would sure. imagine an outlet like espn or fox sports or cbs sports or, or you know maybe there are even some other platforms out there that would you know maybe not necessarily want to jump on televising all the sunrise every games. game, but if it's a league, uh, you know, like a league tournament, deal, 
Right, the tournament or or conf, you know conference games within the league sure. against each other that may be a little bit more appealing. Um, so, and, and I think that then you've got an opportunity for all these teams to come together and try to find a way to market it and promote it because you're talking about elite high school basketball. It's basketball at a completely different level than what we see in the prep. You know, the, the prep world around Wichita it doesn't mean that it's you know more entertaining, but it's definitely a higher level of basketball for sure. Oh, for and sure. I think sometimes I think sometimes Sunrise Christian. Academy flies under the radar here in Wichita because they don't get a lot of coverage because you don't know much about what they're doing. They really haven't marketed themselves all that well, but you know, you do know they're playing an elite level of basketball, but it's not like, I don't think anybody could really tell you exactly what's happening with sunrise Christian basketball. Like they could about Bishop Carroll, East high, North high, the, the city league, the ABCTL, all of that. So I would be interested to see how this sort of thing is put together. Sterling Chapman is a, was a is a big name. You know that yeah. he's at campus. You know, so you understand what's going on. You know about the coaches. You know about Joe Auer. You knew about mm-hmm. Joe Jackson at East, and now he's at at May South. That was a big deal. I don't know the players at Sunrise. You know them when they leave. You know yeah, them when the they show I- up. The only ones I know are the two that have committed to Kansas, Zach Clements and Grady Dick, and only because they committed to play for the Jayhawks. That's the only you know, reason why I would know them. Yeah, but you know the guys because they show up when they come to play. Yep. At, the Shockers have had some Sunrise guys as well. And when they show up in the game and you and you hear Sunrise Christian Academy, you're like, wow, this guy played there? Yeah. Mm, that's really interesting. But it just yep. kind of fades. So, yeah, I, I think that there, there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity for marketing. Will Sunrise, you know, come – come and take advantage of it will local media take advantage of it that remains to be seen yep so that news came down monday morning through espn about this new league that's the 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 one edition i had on the program that's going to wrap things up for this edition of keeper of the games Uh, of course you can always listen to our new episodes all you have to do is subscribe that way anytime we have a new show that drops you'll be notified it's as simple as that we're on all the major streaming platforms apple podcasts google Podcasts, spotify all the major ones out there our website cogsports.com you can watch this episode on the keeper of the games youtube channel and on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod that's at kog pod Blake what is your Twitter handle for our beloved audio listeners at be crips on Twitter of course uh, Weston Mills is not with us on this episode but if you'd like to follow him you can on Twitter at wmills94 and you can follow me on Twitter at tweets from Tommy Uh, Like Blake reminded me of just a couple of moments ago, (laughs) next week, we will have no show because it is Memorial Day week. We've been recording these shows on Mondays. Monday is Memorial Day, so we will not have a show uh, next week. It's going to be our first week off since we launched season two back in January. So I think it's a well-deserved a well-deserved week off uh, for the program. So hope you enjoy your holiday weekend. And then as I mentioned at the very start of the show, uh, Blake and Weston will be back in two weeks. I will not be. I'm taking probably about the month of June off, give or take a week or two as my wife is having a baby. So I, uh, I won't be around for a while. I know you're going to miss me a lot, Blake. I know that you're, you're just really torn up about it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be so emotional. I I just don't know how we're going to (laughs) get through the next show. I mean, I'm probably just going to stumble through the open tears coming down my face, emotion pouring out of me as I wallow in the misery of not having Tommy's bad takes (laughs) to correct on the show. It's going to be tough. You, uh, you couldn't be any more disingenuous with, uh, (laughs) 
with, with, with your sadness towards uh, me not being around. Uh, so with that, again, two weeks our next episode, no show next week. In two weeks, Blake Cripps will be hosting with, I'm sure, more info on the Kansas City Royals and a whole lot more. I have no idea what's going to be happening in two weeks. I will see out. everyone. I will see everyone in a few weeks. And again, in two weeks, Blake and Weston on Keeper of the Games. For Blake Cripps, for Weston Mills, I'm Tommy Castor. You've been checking out Keeper of the Games. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.